This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. Uh, Damon, I feel the listeners missed out on a lot of good stuff. The preamble today, we, we talked uh, Judaism, Christmas dinners, we're talking whiskey. It's good stuff. <laughs> All of us will keep us on the floor. Uh, yes, we do. I, I, and what's funny is that we, when we do that, we know it's good. And we're like, why don't we press record? But some of the stuff, I feel like, I don't know. We would, uh, we'd probably wanted to go over the air. Just some of the, like my weekend and shit. Like some of it is a little bit embarrassing. Uh, but needless to say, I am. Uh, let's just leave it at I am. Joel is um, uh, passing along traditions to um, his daughter, and while I. Uh, polish off a bottle of whiskey with a friend and wind up on the floor. <laughs> so there, we, there, there's two different, you know, there polar opposite ex, uh, experiences here past week. But uh, still, both bringing, uh, dare I say, joy to the pro wrestling world. And that's it. We are all about joy here on the Super Checkers. Although, having said that, Damon, I, I hate to start off on a negative. Oh, no. But... With the way things have been going over the past few months, I do feel like we need to open the show with the elephant in the room. Uh-oh. There's been a lot of heated debate over whether this product is good anymore. I, I have been optimistic, uh, more than most, um, about stuff that's happened since the summer. You know, the weird decisions, the terrible matches. But honestly, after what happened this weekend, it's the last draw for me. Oh. I, I'm done. I can't defend it anymore. I'm... I'm just about ready to, to wash my hands of this mess. The critics are right. It is bad. And I can't even bring myself to watch it anymore. I'm officially done with Arsenal Football Club. Oh, so that's it, huh? After I bought you a sign last year, a nice little little road sign. Oh. Uh, did they sink this year? Or are they fucking awful? Like, are they breaking your heart? <laughs> yeah, we're in a relegation battle. We're like 15th at the moment. Really? We've lost four home games in a row. Just like everything is going wrong. We're oh. playing like shit. We stopped scoring goals. Our, our star uh, our star striker is just completely off the boil. Um, and the, the manager seems to have lost the dressing room. There's you know, leaks coming out in the press about people who are not happy. Uh, all the scuffles that are going on on the training grounds. And yeah, it's just pretty depressing. I mean, I'm, I'm not washing my hands. I will continue to be an Arsenal fan. But it's bringing me no joy at the moment. And we have a question from uh, listener Minty. Minty, you made uh, a brilliant bot for us on yeah. the Super Jcast Discord. So thank you very much for that, Minty. Minty asked us, which championship ground are you most looking forward to visiting after Arsenal get relegated uh, at the end of this season? <laughs> I've actually been to a lot of them, Minty. Um, back in the day when I, I went to lots of Arsenal away games, I've been to uh, Norwich, Swansea, Stoke, Middlesbrough, Cardiff, Blackburn, Birmingham, QPR and Derby. And uh, well, <laughs> a variety of experiences. I'll tell you which one I'm not looking forward to, and that's the fucking racist at Millwall. Um, Bristol City, that's a nice one. I, I drove past 
Ashton Gate after Mally and I went to a wedding in Dartmoor. Um, we, we took a detour to Cheddar Gorge. You've heard of Cheddar Cheese, Damon. We went to Cheddar Gorge and had oh. some excellent cave-matured cheese there. Um, a cheese pilgrimage. That sounds fucking great, actually. Yeah, I would I would be all over that. Cheryl's a big fan of the cheese as well. So, yeah, that would be good. Um, I, well, how do I know Mill, Millwall? How do I know Millwall? Um how do I, I don't know Millwall? But I do know Millwall. They have they have an unsavory reputation. That's maybe where I yeah they have a lot of the bad fans. Yeah, yeah. the hooliganism. If, if I'm not mistaken, um, I actually have a book um, about all these different teams and their associated <laughs> uh, gangs that are uh, that have been throughout the years. Um, yeah, that's that's this like a weird American fascination with it is. Uh, British hooliganism. Yeah. It is. I don't, and I don't know why. I, I, I mean, I don't. I don't want to say I have a fascination with it, but, I, but like, I'm the dude that's going to watch TV and watch like, you know, the the 24 hour marathon of like prison lockup or something. You know, like real life stories from like, like I maybe it's you're fascinated by the thing you fear the most. I guess. Like, I just can't imagine being in the middle of something like that. Like it breaking out around you, and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck do I do? I got to get out of here because. There's a, a riot that's about to happen. Um, but there is something like – and again, I don't know everything. I, I'm, I'm kind of talking at my ass, so I'm, I'm asking more questions than posing a fact here. But like isn't it – I mean these clubs are literally right on top of each other, like blocks from each other in, in, in many cases, right? Yeah, some of them are. Um, like for example – Liverpool and Everton's respective stadiums are literally down the road from each other. Right. And and the the Premier League has done uh, I mean they've done a lot to curb that kind of behavior, right? I mean you get lifetime bans and and all that stuff, but I just never understood the idea of getting into a fucking fight over sports. You know what I mean? Like, I would go to Eagles games, of course, and you would I'd be comfortably in the press box with my uh uh, my press meal and uh, you know, watching everything but the game, and then you would see fights break out, and it's just like, why? Why are you? What? What? Like you're going on a fucking Sunday? I know you're loaded up. I get that, but man, I just don't understand the idea of now you're going to fucking throw each other down nine flights of stairs because why? You're fucking. I, I don't understand it. I just I don't get it. I don't get that at all. I guess it just starts with... Does this usually it's start... It's tribalism, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. I guess it is. But I just never understood people who get into fights over your sports team. Just walk away. You'd be like, ah, you're an yeah, I, I, It's not a fight over the sports team, is it? It's just people who want to fight the sports team yeah. as an excuse. I guess. I mean, so. I wonder if, Damon, we might see this uh, spill over into the world of Japanese pro wrestling. Could you foresee, for example, January the 4th, uh, the Noah firm and the New Japan firm going at it <laughs> outside TGI Fridays. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I know I could take the fucking Noah fans. Snooker ball in a sock. Stanley I've seen, knives. I've seen the Noah fans. <laughs> leather glove full of pound coins. <laughs> leather glove full of 100 yen coins. <laughs> I'm fucking, I got my keys all wrapped up and my fucking knuckles ready to go. Uh, I'm beating on Claire. <laughs> Actually, she'd probably kick my ass. Uh Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's to, to me. It's just yeah. It probably is just people just looking for fights. But that, yeah, that's ha- probably how I know of Millwall. Um, 
Though they have the slogan, um, no one likes us, we don't care. I think that's that's what they have too, right? Yeah, maybe something we could adopt for Super J cost. <laughs> Seriously, no, 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 no joke. <laughs> or New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom 15, no one likes us, we don't care. That's, <laughs> that's going to be the name of this fucking show. Are you kidding me? Um, that's the, you know, when I got to do the label, I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, yeah, all right, well, look. I think um, Arsenal has, – has Arsenal ever fallen out of the Premier League? No. Never. We've been a mainstay since it was founded in 1992. Give me a percentage of your feeling of them being relegated. I'll give you 20% because I just think there's at least three teams. Well, probably <laughs> three teams that I could definitely say are worse than us. Uh, West Brom and Fulham and uh, Sheffield United. And I, you know, our, our first match of the season, we played against Fulham and beat them quite comprehensively. But who, who would have thought that would turn out to be a relegation six-pointer? So, I don't know. I'd be worried if Tony Khan pulls his finger out and starts actually spending money on them in January, then, then we might be in trouble. Yeah, you're fucked then. Yeah, you better you better hope for low houses and uh, no vaccine for AEW uh, staff or uh, fans. Uh, no money, no no revenue. Well, we got good news. Their football team, their American football team, absolutely stinks. So um, they're not making any money there. I think they won one, one game. Is that the, the Jacksonville Jaguars? Okay. Yes, yes. Did, did I tell you that when this was in 2013, when I was teaching in a primary school in the UK, it was a school near Wembley Stadium, and for some reason, there were, I, I guess they were playing an NFL game at Wembley Stadium around that time because they came to the school and did a big assembly they brought i can't remember the name jacks the jacksonville jaguar and they they just did this like big hype thing in our assembly with the the mascot coming in jacksonville jaguars yeah just whipping the kids up into a frenzy (laughs) it was really bizarre wow and players were there like the like yeah Mm, i maybe i can't remember they wouldn't yeah wow that would be like that would be like Fulham coming to uh, yeah I don't know I'll, I'll throw a, a school for the local peeps uh, Bishop Eustace um, <laughs> that would be, be like who's coming uh, yeah they do that every year uh, well I don't know if they well they did it every year they did multiple games the NFL at Wembley um, I think the Eagles were one year were there uh, all right well there you go. Um, any any predictions for uh, being that you've you've your team is fallen by the way? So any predictions for the uh, American football? Uh, have you been keeping up fantasy football wise or uh, just in general? Uh, I have not. I know nothing about nothing. it. Nothing. Know nothing about the product whatsoever. I'm afraid you're not a big Patrick Mahomes fan. No, I know of him. Okay. But I couldn't tell you anything <laughs> about him. All right. All right, look, well, there's our NFL and uh, Sports Talk. We'll take your calls after this. It's Joel and Damon on Sports Talk USA and wherever the fuck you are. All right, uh, can we talk pro wrestling soon now? Yeah, just uh, one little th- uh, opener yes. to uh, get our juices flowing. I want to do a little chat about a piece of merchandise that appeared today. Oh. Could you please open up your WhatsApp and yeah. tell me, well, have a look at this Ibushi t-shirt read the slogan on the front to us give us your thoughts yeah he likes the white t-shirts that's one thing i don't like it's a white t-shirt because i right you can spill food on it right 100 percent. yep yep i get one wear out of it before it gets ruined Hmm. all right uh it's very very subtle i I wouldn't say it's uh too 
gaudy. Uh, the golden, the G, golden star logo. Um, but then it has writing, and it kind of looks uh, a little punk rockish in the sense of the font and the way that the characters are aligned. In English, I won't, is that run? Run away. I won't lose. I won't give up. I won't betray you. Okay. Very, very basic t-shirt there. <laughs> like, big, big, right. uh, Rick roll energy there. I'm going <laughs> to give you... Oh, okay, that's so what that is. Okay, right, right. I mean, that, that is what it reminded me of, the front. But okay, so you've seen the front of the T-shirt. It's, you know, it's, it's on brand for Ibushi and the message he's given out. I want sure. to show you now the back of the T-shirt. Oh, I hope it's a big Because this T-shirt <laughs> takes quite a turn. I hope it's like, like, like just four dicks. Uh, let's see here. I will become God. <laughs> right. I mean, that is it just me or is that quite the swerve? I won't run away. I won't lose. I won't give up. I won't betray you. I will become God. <laughs> it turns very threatening at the yeah. end. What is his fascination with that? Has that He's ever a been lunatic, his... isn't he? <laughs> well, yes. Aside I'm, I'm scared now about him winning at Wrestle Kingdom 15. Like that, It could be some sort of uh, Infinity Stone Thanos situation where you know, if he gets the... IWGP and Intercontinental titles, he might ascend to some sort of higher power and right. destroy us all. <laughs> I know. He holds the belt up, a giant beam comes down. Clicks Kevin his K- fingers, half the uh, audience at Tokyo Dome are vaporized. But actually, it wouldn't matter because half of them aren't allowed to enter anyway, so you're <laughs> <be all> right. <laughs> Make an idea. Uh, can it pass through television uh, wiring? Uh, yeah, Kevin Kelly running for his life. Uh, speaking of Kevin Kelly, you know, he... Uh, he got in touch with me and he uh, was checking on me to make sure I was feeling well. I was, uh, I was like, ah, oh, thanks, Kev. Uh, yeah, you see a lot, a lot of love from the commentary team. Chris Charlton checking in as well. Yeah, yeah, nice I appreciate to see that, that. People are thinking about you. It is nice. I mean, uh, it is weird sometimes, but sometimes it's you know you just kind of like you appreciate it. You appreciate it. Um, and uh, I did my Cheryl's negative, just as an FYI, and then I. Uh, I did a test yesterday, and I'm waiting for those results. But symptom-free for a, quite a while now. So uh, I feel like we dodged a bit of a bullet there, considering um, what it could have been. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're good there. Um, yeah, that's a weird – I don't know. That's fascination he has with becoming a god. Oof, a little bit narcissistic, I think. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Not gonna lie, we got we got one guy who wanted to be a god, and we got rid of him. <laughs> a little election humor. Boodums. <laughs> oh, boy, I can't wait for that beef Wellington on Christmas, Joel. Mm. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. That's where my mind is. Thinking about it. Yeah, it's gonna be good. And I'm not even having it. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm drooling over your Christmas dinner. <laughs> I'm gonna send you some. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mail it. I'm gonna freeze dry it and ship it over. I've got uh, to choose for my Christmas dinner, so maybe you can help me pick. So to start, it's either chicken liver and orange pate, farmhouse chutney, parmesan and toasted sourdough, mm-hmm. Norwegian smoked salmon, whipped ricotta, horseradish cream and brown butter, brown bread and, br- brown bread and butter, what? tenderloin carpaccio, wild rocket, pecorino and crispy artichokes, wild mushroom and shaved truffle soup, warm sourdough. So 
for me, it's got to be smoked salmon for that. Me too. Yes. We're on the same page. Perfect. Good. Uh, for mains, Christmas plate. So that's bronze turkey, honey glazed ham, pigs in blankets, sage and onion stuffing and roast gravy. Char grilled 300 gram ribeye steak, roasted portobello mushroom, truffle cream sauce and shaved truffles. Oven roasted cod, saffron and seafood broth, white wine and garlicky aioli. Or mushroom ravioli, half moon parcels filled with ricotta cheese and wild mushrooms, porcini sauce and black truffles. Now, I know I said to you off air that I dislike turkey, but I feel like I have to choose the, the Christmas plate there. I would have gone to ribeye, man. Ribeye. Oh, it's tempting. I might get Mally to choose the ribeye and, and eat pick off of that because she won't finish that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the important thing is all mains are served with garlic roast potatoes, honey roasted carrots, parsnips and beets, cauliflower cheese, Brussels sprouts and bacon, sweet potato mash and gravy. So I think I'm, I'm basically guaranteed oh. an excellent Christmas dinner there. And yeah. then uh, dessert is uh, Christmas pudding with brandy sauce, festive dark chocolate tart, honey ice cream, cherry compote, orange and hazelnuts. Indulgent Christmas Sunday, layers of vanilla and cherry ice cream, caramelized oranges and honeycomb. Or Black Forest Panna Cotta Shaved Chocolate Wild Berry Compote. And again, I'm not a huge fan of Christmas pudding, but I feel like I have to choose it because it's Christmas. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Christmas pudding either. I'm only, I've had it like once or twice. It's okay. Um, the Sunday's too much. That would be too rich. Like I would just be like, I'd eat a spoonful of it and be like, oh, I'm fucking done. Um, yeah, I might go Christmas pudding too. Just because of, because when, when else are you going to have? You're not going to have Christmas pudding in fucking April, you know? Yeah, that's what I would do. That's a good fucking meal, dude. You're gonna you're, you're gonna you're gonna do okay with that. And it's just you. you I, I will live tweet my my experience yes. of it. I'll put photos out on the Twitter. I'm telling <laughs> you, live vicariously through my banquet I, Christmas. I would be all over it. I'm I'm cooking the beef Wellington. Uh, I gotta get the the, the fillets, uh, the the cut. I don't really know where I'm gonna get that because we don't really have like like solid butchers around here. Um, and I know I'm going to be paying a fucking fortune for it. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I got the. I'm. I, th- I think I could pull it off. It doesn't look that hard. It just looks a little. You know, there's steps. You got to make sure you're uh, doing the steps properly. So, but I'm confident. I think we could do it. And uh, if not, Chinese takeout. <laughs> Happy days. All right, uh, let's talk about another little news thing that pops up. This is Tokyo Sports Awards. So MVP was given to Tetsuya Naito. Uh, Okada and Naito from Wrestle Kingdom won Match of the Year, which is Okada's eighth Match of the Year win in Tokyo Sports. Fighting Spirit Award went to Hiromu. The current GHC heavyweight champion, Go Shizaki, won the Outstanding Performer of the Year Award. Uh, DDT star Tetsuya Endo won the Technique Award. Julia from Stardom won the Women's Wrestling Grand Prize, while uh, Takashi Sugiura and Kazushi Sakuraba won Tag Team of the Year. So I don't know if anything from that surprises you. I mean, it's an award that tends to... I mean, the, the MVP tends to go towards New Japan. It's it's like a, a political thing, isn't it? And all the other awards are sort of like... It's sort of them throwing a bone to the other promotions. But it, it seems like they've sort of gone towards the the, the, the Bushi Road and the, the cyber agent properties with this one. So anything surprise you there? Um, I mean, it always surprises me. You know, a lot of times it's like, how could you miss this or what, What you know? And it is just like kind of what you described in the sense that everybody gets a little little taste of something to make sure everybody's represented, um, which, okay. Gra- uh, Dragon Gate and All Japan, they got nothing. That's true. That is true. Um, and they and and they didn't have bad years, mind you. Um, 
I, I've I, heard I'll, I've heard people quite down on all Japan, but the people are very positive about Dragon Gate, which is why right. I I mentioned the caveat about Cyber Agent that the, the fact that they gave awards to. I mean, Noah's not a surprise, but DDT, like Tetsuya Enno getting an award over someone in Dragon Gate, that's, that's raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, I can see. But, that, but every year it's that with, with the Tokyo Sports Awards. Um, and it feels like, correct me if I'm wrong, I, and not that you would have the answer at the tip of your fingertips, but um, I felt like there were more awards given away in previous years. And I feel like these have been shaved down a little bit, but I could be dead wrong. No, you're right. They didn't do the best newcomer award this year. Okay. I mean, how impactful is that? Um, We all know great Okan's winning that. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, who else? I mean, Tokyo sports is going to kind of be the equivalent of, for lack of a better term, a fucking pro wrestling illustrated type, you know, back in the day type award. Um, where maybe the most popular or the most well known or the, you know, just the guy who has the most eyeballs is going to be the, the, the guy who's front and center is going to more than likely be the guy who's, you know, the MVP of, of the year. Um, I don't see any issue with giving it to Naito. Um, I mean, look, for us and our awards, I'm sure he's he's if he's not one, he's one. He's he's a real close two, and I and I honestly can't see him not winning. I really can't, even though um, Hiromo is there's there there's a definite fucking argument to be made. Um, I mean, he's the heavyweight champion for for the entire year, minus evil. <laughs> I don't know. You know, he just lost my vote. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to get crazy over the Tokyo Sports Awards, to be honest with you, because it is. It's like Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It's like, I'm crying. Does anybody? I mean, it's a thing, and people seem to get all heated up over it, but it's not really a thing to get too concerned with. Yeah, I think if you're looking for a more unbiased approach, then I guess is it Shupro? They have uh, uh, awards where they sort of call it down the middle rather than being heavily uh, favoured towards New Japan. Um, okay, well, let's get into the wrestling that took place. And uh, This was Friday, wasn't it? The World Tag yep. League Final. Uh, so the World Tag League Final itself were the Gorillas of Destiny beating Finjuice in 22 minutes, 15 seconds. Tamatonga pinning Juice Robinson after the super powerbomb. So Gorillas of Destiny finally get their hands on the World Tag League trophy. What did you think, Damon? Am I having to do cartwheels for this? Well, first, I mean, again, I was a little bit surprised seeing Kenta um, and his involvement in a match. Um, No one clued us in on that one. So, and I know we spent the, the previous week talking about, you know, all the different possible U.S. title scenarios. Um. I mean, I, I, um, when you texted me to kind of get my feelings on uh, to see if he was, you know, if you were uh, doing a cartwheel, I did. I what number did I give you? I gave you four, right? I gave you a solid four. Yeah. You gave me a four. Now I do have the scores from Joe Lanza and from Nicole Boozlet. Oh, right. uh, but I'm not going to reveal them to you because I think it's only. 
should we wait until next weekend when we have the Wrestling Observer newsletter? Because we said Dave Mills is going to be <clears throat> the third judge, right? Yeah. And we yes, won't we get did. his score until Thursday. So maybe right. we'll put that one on ice for now to find out whether or not I have to do the cartwheels. But if you gave it four stars. Yes. So, uh, talk to us. What, what made you decide to give it four stars? Because you, you're quite high on it. Well, I mean, I, th- I didn't think it was a terrible match. And I did I, 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 look put in a in a in a in a big spot. God, I can't even say that they are fifty fifty, or I, I, they usually come through in a World Tag League. Um, and I think Juice and I think David Finley helped. I think they're a, 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 a solid babyface tag team. A solid babyface tag team. Um, the finish hurt. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and tell you that a an interference... I'm not going to sit here and tell you because I just don't want to be that guy. But and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that interference shaved off five stars and it made the match terrible because it really didn't. I just really wasn't in the mood to see it there, and they went with the angle as opposed to the match. I think is my biggest complaint. Like the the match at that point was really secondary. And I don't have a problem with that being the case if it's in the middle of a tournament or even in some ways a semifinal. But the finals really was like, oh. And and so what does this mean? So does this mean that Kenta and Juice are now a program? And are we excited by that? Um... It just felt a little f- bit flat for me. Um, at that, the fact that they went for the angle and didn't go for the somebody getting a big win, and then away we go to um, Wrestle Kingdom, where we had now have a match between Dangerous Techers and God. That, truth be told, aside from the fact that we have we have Suzuki Goon definitely playing babyface role now. I, my interest in this match, in this tag match, it's fucking dropped considerably. So we killed the match. Uh, let me take that back. We didn't kill the match, but we 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 pushed aside the match for the angle for to have Kenta have something to do. What it feels like, and now we have a less desirable world tag match at Wrestle Kingdom. The match itself was okay. It was good. It was. I thought it was a good match. But everything else and all the other shrapnel that has come from just this match has me hand-waving. And that sucks. I agree with you, Damon. I think they've got a better match in them. And it was approaching, at times in the match, very good. But then the stuff that they did with Jado, I feel... 
sort of took the momentum out of the match. It's just as it was stepping into that next gear, then there'd be the, the stuff with Jado getting sent away and then him coming back with the kendo stick. I feel that sort of killed the momentum of the match. Um, it didn't enhance the heat for me. And it was very similar to what they did in the G1 final last year with Jay White and Ghetto, but less effective to me. And like you, I feel it's a shame that, exactly as you said, they sacrificed the, a, a quality World Tag League final, which is supposed to be one of the pinnacles of tag team wrestling. They sacrificed that in in favour of doing the Kenta and Juice angle, which yeah. is a real shame because... I, I felt that final match was unworthy of what I thought was a very good tournament. And, yes. you know, you have a, a good tournament, you want to have a really good match as the, you know, the icing on the cake, the cherry on top of that, and they didn't deliver it. And I just, I always feel with the Gorillas of Destiny, there is that hard ceiling on the, the quality and the excitement of their matches, whether it's because of the their quality as a tag team or wrestler or the shenanigans that go on, it just feels like, you know, three and a half maybe pushing three and three quarters, that's as good as you're going to get given all those caveats that we've mentioned. And I don't feel that this match exceeded that. It, it threatened to at times, but it never got there. No. And, and and again, I feel like I'm generous with four. Don't get me wrong. Um, and you're right. The one thing that kind of sticks in me is the fact that there was that interference, right? And... I guess in my mind, I'm looking for, okay, the comeback and, you know, Juice and Finley being able to fight that off. Like when I, when I saw that interference, it's kind of like, okay, <clears throat> let's, let, they're going to get an even, even bigger win because something's going to go astray on the Bullet Club side. Um, they'll fight back. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll beat the odds and away we go. That never happened. In fact, I, mean, I can see what they were trying to do. Like it was a bit of misdirection that you're looking at Jado and then Kenta comes out of nowhere. And to be fair, like they got a big response from the crowd when that happened. Me but, too. Me too. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I I was shocked to see him, and I was like, whoa. But then the realization came in of, okay, why is he here? Why is he here now? <laughs> uh, I mean, aside from him being, you know, in Bullet Club. Uh, it just felt, you know what it felt, Joel. It felt sh- very shoehorned. It felt very. We're going to do something that probably doesn't make the most sense from what we've seen in the past storyline, just to squeeze Kenta on a show, <laughs> you know, uh, and give him something to do because in in two weeks we've we've got some pretty big shows around the corner. That's what it felt like. Like seeing him was my here's here are my reactions. Oh fuck, it's Kenta. Oh shit. He interfered. Ah fuck. G-O-D won. Ah fuck. Now what? Ah <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, that's really what it felt like. Um the realization of wait, what? Oh. 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 It's really the level of emotion that I went through. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, dis- <laughs> disappointing for me. And it didn't make me excited to see Kenta versus Juice, to no. see Juice get his revenge. It just made me feel sad for the World Tag League and sad for Finn Juice, particularly sad for David Finley, who he's not booked on the, the Royal Two show, so I assume he's gone back home. 
and it would have been nice to see uh, some sort of reward or, or, or a crowning moment for all the hard work he put in during this tournament because I thought he'd, he'd been outstanding but maybe he will get his flowers thrown at him in our end of year awards we'll see about that but yeah. certainly not the way I wanted the World Tag League final to go but they've done that for the past couple of years doesn't it feel like where they'll do shit just to throw the World Tag League out the fucking window whether it's um, then one year they have like a three way um, and a whole the, like it's just some convoluted mess that wound up being at Wrestle Kingdom um, yeah, it's been, it's been on off. So, uh, 2016 World Tag League final, Great Bash Heel beat Gorillas of Destiny in what I still think is to this day Gorillas of Destiny's best match. And then Yano and Ishii stole the title, so that ended up in a three way. Right. Uh, then 2018, no, at the end of 20, 2017, Evil Sonata won the World Tag League and had a really excellent uh, straight two on two match at Wrestle Kingdom against uh, Killer Elite Squad, which I, I loved that much. And then. 2018 World Tag League, we had Evil and Sonada winning again, and then the Young Buck popped out and inserted themselves into the match, uh, which a lot of people, quite rightly, myself included, shat on. Uh, but then last year, they, they did it straight two-on-two two again with Gorilla's Destiny against Finjuice at Wrestle Kingdom. So it's sort of on-off. Uh, so if they follow that pattern, we are due another <laughs> shenanigans three-way. But uh, it, with Finley seemingly out of the country... I, Maybe we are just going to get Gorillas of Destiny against Dangerous Techers, which will be an interesting one, uh, given that both factions are nominally heels. But we've got some questions about that later, about the repositioning of suzuki Goon at alignment charts and stuff like that. So we will we will come back to that one. But um, right. unless you have anything more to say on the World Tag League, I shall move on I, I to just want your feelings. Yeah, I just want your feelings on, uh, do you think you're doing cartwheels? No, I don't think so. All right. All right. Very good. Confidence, which, I like Which that. means, right. what are you doing? What's your punishment? But again, we'll come on to that. We'll, we'll have to we wait for really the rest of the newsletter because it's not, it's not concluded yet. Yeah, we, we haven't really figured that out. I mean, I could do no. a fucking... I mean, I don't even think I could do a cartwheel. I think I, I, think I will separate my shoulder if I attempt one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listeners, maybe you can tweet us or, or Discord us with some suggestions on what our respective uh, consequences could be. Yeah. Uh, but shall we move on then to yes. the best of the Super Juniors final? Because yes. I've got... <laughs> Quite a lot to say about this one, Damon. Uh, so we had Hiromi Takahashi pinning El Desperado after 30 minutes, 14 seconds, following the time on two. Hiromi Takahashi wins Best of the Super Juniors 27. Now, to preface this, I want to say I had a really great chat with uh, Liam from our Discord. So let me say again, Liam, get well soon for your bad ankle. I uh, hope you're recovering well. So Liam is our resident El Desperado expert on the Discord. So a lot of this information that I'm going to talk about is from him. I want to give him a hat tip for uh, allowing me to pick his brains today. So a lot of these words are his, but I want to give the full backstory on this feud and why I love this match so much. So this feud goes back 10 years ago. Hmm. And the two these two guys, El Desperado, Hiromu Takahashi, they, there's a strong senpai-kohai relationship. So El Desperado, or to give him his proper name, Kiyosuke Mikami, he was Hiromu's senpai in age and experience. So before Mikami went on excursion he was 16 2 and 1 against Hiromu so early on we we set up that Hiromu has this if you like inferiority complex against Mikami they were actually at one point going to be a junior tag team at the end of uh, Mikami's run as a young line they they tagged together in some significant spots there was a dark opener at a sumo hall show and outside New Japan in, in DDT then Mikami gets 
kayfabe injured after a Wrestle Kingdom 6 dark match and disappears. And we get this mysterious Namahag, Namahage character appearing in CMLL two days later. Then we fast forward to Wrestle Kingdom 8 in 2014 and El Desperado, this strange wrestler, appears. He debuts in New Japan. He's bringing flowers to Kota Ibushi and he's supposedly a Mexican luchador whose father speaks Japanese. So Mikami has taken on this persona, this El Desperado persona, to account for his relative failure as a young lion, where he had quite a short tenure, and his failure uh, on excursion. He lost his mask and he lost the hair match. Didn't really win much of note. Hiromu, for his part, he got his ass kicked as a young lion. He left for excursion exactly as El Desperado appeared. And these two didn't see each other for five years since the last time they met. But since Hiromu returns in late 2016, he was way more successful than Desperado. And they were kept apart for nearly two years. And, and not for nothing, as we will get into. So come the summer of 2018... Given their history in the dojo, best of the Super Juniors rolls around, Hiromu is desperate to show the world that it's Kyosuke Mikami underneath the El Desperado mask. He's not a Mexican luchador, he's a fraud. And before their best of the Super Juniors match, Hiromu writes, you know the, the giant book that Hiromu does, he writes in yes, that book yes. for the El Desperado page, I know who you are and I hate you. And mm-hmm. Despi wins again. There's a rematch for the junior heavyweight title at Kizuna Road. And there's loads of mind games going into that match. So Hiromu brings Desperado flowers. And it's a callback to Desperado's, uh, him bringing flowers on his return in 2014 at Wrestle Kingdom. And you'll remember this, Damien. A really memorable spot late into the match where Hiromu pulls off El Desperado's mask. Desperado just no-sells it and waffles Hiromu in the face with the junior title belt before casually putting his mask back on. So here in that match, we had Hiromu trying to expose Desperado for who he is. And then Desperado, caring more about beating up Hiromu, winning the junior title, which would have been his first singles title in New Japan. He's still hunting for that. More in, in, uh, concerned with that than concealing his identity. And then there's also the LGBT coding of the story, which, as you know, Damon, I'm always a fan of. And a lot of this is dependent on your personal coding of El Desperado and Hiromu Takahashi. And I agree with what Liam said, that they both read quite strongly, I think, as LGBT in some way. Uh, from Hiromu's love-hate relationship with Dragon Lee to El Desperado, you know, debuting by giving flowers to Kota Ibushi, and Desperado constantly telling Hiromu that he loves him, and then he hates him, and then he loves him again. And then Hiromu goes from saying, I know who you are and I hate you, to I don't care about you at all, to actually I really do hate you. And, you know, David, when someone's in your head and making you feel those kind of emotions towards them, whether it's positive emotions, negative emotions, they hold a certain amount of power over you. And Hiromu saying, I don't care about you, is uh, is intended on his behalf as a sign of strength or, or defiance. And on El Desperado, it's like, you know, we've all been there, Damon. We've had people say to us that they don't care about us. And, you know, maybe it was true. Maybe it was intended to hurt us. And, and it does hurt when you hear that. And it's then no coincidence that when you come to this best of the Super Juniors and their block match, Desperado forces Hiromu to submit to him rather than pinning him in their block match. The pin's not enough for him anymore. So you see those power dynamics coming to play there. And then you've got all this love and hate bubbling under the surface that's brought into this match, the best of the Super Juniors final. And the match, it starts off like the dojo day. So Desperado's in charge, he's working Hiromu's back and then he's controlling his leg. Uh, of course, those are the two body parts affected by his submission move, numero dos, which he won with in the block match. So it worked before, and Desperado's totally in control of the match. 
And also, yet again, for me, showing why he's one of the best in the business of being in control of a match, but making it tremendously entertaining to watch. Hiromu's selling was just as good, both selling the back and the leg. He, uh, El Desperado takes off a turnbuckle pad very early on, which is a real Chekhov's gun, because that, they, they don't come back to that until much later. So throughout the, the first half of the match, he's punishing Hiromu. And Hiromu can only get back into the match with the wild offense that he developed in Mexico. You know, the poison runner attempt off the ropes, the wheelbarrow to the floor, John Woo drop kick to the guardrail. And in a way, I, I felt that the dynamics of their match reflect their relationship with uh, Hiromu is the mercurial, unpredictable spirit with a wild streak against Desperado's desire for control and, and dominance. And, you know, dare say perhaps that's a, a manifestation of uh, El Desperado's desire for relationship security. Uh, and there's an incredible moment where Hiromu goes for the sunset flip, powerbomb off the apron and just splats right onto the floor, and then he just pops back up. He no-sells it completely. He's trying to drag Desperado off the apron, but Despi just kicks him back into the guardrail. I don't know if that was a botch or if it was planned, but it was just an amazing sequence that encapsulated uh, the, the chaos and the violence and, and the dissonance of the relationship between these two men. And even the way that Desperado attempted a pin after doing Guitar de Angel, he held Hiromu's hands, placed them almost lovingly across his chest. And then when Hiromu kicks out, Despi goes nasty, flips back into the numero dos, like a, like a punishment for Hiromu rejecting him. Then Despi lifts up Hiromu, and it looked to me like he was about to do the dreaded Phoenix Plex that broke Hiromu's neck uh, when he wrestled against Dragon Lee. But then Hiromu reversed it into a destroyer. Absolutely spectacular stuff. Then we got a ref bump and a dick punch, which automatically adds an extra half star to the match. And then <laughs> just when you think Despi's about to finish him off after that, Hiromu punches Despi right in the jaw, a la Jun Kasai, who dislocated Despi's jaw last year. Then, then, Hiromu goes for the mask. So, this is either Hiromu being smart, using mind games to win the match because he knows Despi's going to lose his call, or, as I would like to believe, it's Hiromu bringing the two of them back to their roots, to having them share that connection that they've had for a decade in front of what is now the biggest audience they've ever had. Literally face-to-face. No hiding behind masks or personas. So Hiromu tears off half the mask, and then Despi's on his knees. He's glaring up at Hiromu, and he stands up. He takes off his mask. The crowd loses their shit. Clapping only rules be damned, and this is what I'm saying. If the match is good enough, people are going to react regardless. The mask comes off. Hiromu is looking for Kyosuke Mikami, but he's not there anymore. It's still... El fucking Desperado staring back at him, that little smile, the wag of the finger, the look that says, you asked for this motherfucker. Here we go. And then a brutal exchange, like a hockey fight, they're unleashing all their frustrations on each other. Despi comes agonizingly close, he's so close with El Escalero. Hiromu kicks out the last millisecond and that scream of anguish and frustration from Despi, he's pounding the man in agony. Like He knows that was his best shot and he missed. And this is not... You know, pulling a, a stupid, surprised O face at the hard camera, like, wow, I can't believe he kicked out. This is a, a decade of pain from a man who wants nothing more than to beat his opponent more than anything else on the fucking planet. And even though this match isn't over yet, he knows that he's just lost. And just the, the way he, he was rolling around, screaming in rage, it was just magnificent. And he goes for the pinche, loco. It's the only move he's got left. Hiromu reverses it and it drives Despi straight into that exposed turnbuckle that you forgot about because it only happened three minutes into the match. Right. Despi's broken. He's physically, psychologically, emotionally broken. Hiromu hits the time bomb too for the win. And that brings us to the post-match. Despi says, 
only Hiromu Takahashi and El Desperado were in that ring tonight. So we've learned that for now at least, Kyosuke Mikami is no longer there. El Desperado is a, a persona that's not necessarily a mask for Mikami to hide behind, but that's that's who he really is now. In, in as much as you know, we are all a product of our experiences and our choices, which shape us and change us. And uh, Hiromu himself, he talked about their relationship, that he was thrilled to face him, he wants, he wants him to fight forever. Sometimes he says he likes him, sometimes he says he hates him. His heart's all over the place. Their bond is very fragile. It's a piece of art made from glass that can easily shatter, but he's close to liking him now. Despi is back to wrestling under the mask, according to photos that I saw today on Twitter from today's show. So for now, the guy under that mask is, is just as much El Desperado when he takes it off. And although... He might be booked like a mid-card junior. It's what makes Despi such an interesting and compelling character for me. He's uh, a cool-looking dude in a skeleton mask who does the splits. He punches people in the dick. But he is also a person who expresses his self-doubt and his affection and emotions and his unrequited love. So, Damien, you can see why this match is extremely my kind of shit. It takes every single Joel box. You've got a big stage, high stakes, Long backstory, that, yeah. that perfect blend of storytelling where the kayfabe is just used as a subtle tool to tease out the real life story and magnifying. Uh-huh. We got great wrestling and a truly unforgettable moment at the climax. And, and there's something incredibly satisfying about a dojo feud making it to one of the biggest matches in the company. And obviously it doesn't happen very often. Like the odds of a pair of young lines in the same dojo class going on to become successful, high-profile wrestlers who are good enough to headline a big show are pretty yeah. damn low. So yep. when it does happen, you have all that organic backstory, literally a decade of honest-to-God history between the wrestlers that plays into the match, amazing chemistry in the ring, out of the ring, the planets align, and you, you get these incredible moments of character growth in the climax of the match, like Naito hitting the Stardust Press against Okada back in January, or El Desperado taking his mask off. And you can't force that. You can't manufacture it. You can't rush it. And there are other companies who think that they're good at creating moments, but for my money, for giving wrestlers a platform to tell their stories and share their art and and move me and make me feel something real, there is no company quite like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Outstanding. Outstanding job by you. There's a lot of credit to go around here. You nailed it. I'm better than I could ever say. And Um, Liam as well. I've got to give credit to Liam because a lot of that came from him. And Liam as well. And there has to be a a large bit of credit for people with the mindset like yourself, like Liam and others who can who can capture all of that information and all that backstory and remember that and remember that and remember that new Japan deserves the credit to be able, just like you closed out to give the artists, the canvas to paint and say, go right. Um, I can't imagine there are a bunch of old men in a conference room sitting around saying, hey, just like yourself or just like, you know, Liam, remember this, remember that. I doubt that's the case. I doubt this rests solely on Hiromu, Despi, working this out, and maybe little sprinkles here and there, 
but by and large, this is this is these are two creative forces that have used a backstory and weaved it into what we saw in that match, which again is organic and uh, full of emotion and full of pro wrestling. It's it's the best of pro wrestling. It's the thing that you're excited to tell your friend who kind of knows pro wrestling, but really doesn't really know pro wrestling. To This is your bait that you've hooked to your line, right? This is the reason why a whole bunch of people are fans of this product. You can parachute in on New Japan Pro Wrestling and watch the big matches and watch the big shows and get just... A, a ton of enjoyment from that if that's the way that you want to consume this product. But if you want to dig deep and you want to go just fucking dive headfirst into the deep end of the pool, there is so much to keep you satisfied and so much space that these artists are able to tell their story that you, like a good book, like a good movie, like a like a, a like a good TV show, like any really great true performance art, you're gonna feel something inside, and that's what this did. And you know, this is not a you know a lot was made that this is you know a main event, and this is Hiromu and Despi in a main event spot for juniors. And and the in, in the company's history that hasn't happened a lot, and Chris Charlton was rattling off names like Liger and Tiger Mask and 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 people who you know haven't had that happen to them for them, and those are big names, and these two guys are making it happen. So there's history involved uh, from just a, 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 a the promotion standpoint, and of course this huge, well weaved backstory. Um. And I think people, first of all, I I think people loved this match. I think this match, uh, uh, let me start here. I'm pretty confident in this. And I, and I am a, uh, I do recognize recency bias. This is my match of the year. This is my match of the year. Because of everything that was weaved into what led us here. And it wasn't my match of the year before remembering and learning and reading and seeing these things that have led to where this match is. This is master craft storytelling, Joel. That, that okay, all that aside, the, all that backstory aside, all that years of history... All that the wrestlers were able to remember, all that they were allowed to then use as a backstory to get to the the actual match, to have the company say, okay, this is our finals. Great. Now we're in the ring and they have a great match to boot. Everything aligned. Everything's in order for, for pro wrestling greatness. So this became my match of the year. Not only from bell to bell, which I thought was, okay, it's either this one or it's, you know, 
uh, uh, Will and um, Shingo. How about me remembering? Uh, but then the backstory, and you know it, but you, you, you now you're really getting deeper and deeper into it. It, it kind of blows you away. The fact that that they were able to pull this off, truth be told, uh, and it's organic, and none of it seemed like you were shoehorning it in, and you were forcing it down our throats. And let me tell you something: pro wrestling companies and pro wrestling promoters and bookers and story writers and all that stuff—they have wet dreams over shit like this, and you can't pull this off. You can't write this in a book and say, okay, do this, guys. You can't have this map over four weeks of television. It's not the same. This is 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 peak pro wrestling. Um, for not only a person that's going to parachute in on a great match, but also people who are there for the long ride and get the little breadcrumbs in a company that, let's be truthful, is the best at doing it. Why? Because they mostly allow the wrestlers to do it. And let them be artists. And that is why this is my favorite match of the year. And to be fair, I think probably a lot of the stuff that Liam and I discussed is us projecting that onto what we saw. But that's part of the beauty of it, you know, to, to bring up like Roland Barthes and death of the author that there is that space for you to have your your own interpretation of the way things appeared in the match like when El Desperado took off the mask was that Kyosuke Mikami or was it only El Desperado no one knows and right. unlikely to tell us but just the fact that you can uh, have your own interpretation of things is I think something worth celebrating as well that's 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 great music what you just described that's a great album where you listen to these songs and you feel something and you and you I'm. Uh, I think it was Trent Reznor who who says, you know, when I write something, I just it's it's gone, it's it's released, it's it's out of my hands, and you absorb it how you feel. You absorb it. Um, that's that's art to me, and it, you know, if you and again, I don't think this is too far fetched, but pro wrestling is art, and and, and it's a, and, and it's an art form that you can incorporate so many different mediums into that particular art form. And you and you yes, it's not that hard to say, oh, he hit him right in the fucking face. Okay. Yes, he chopped the shit out of him. Yep. Oh, that was a hell of a suplex. But then when you get the best but okay, but if that's the case, I mean you could watch amateur wrestling and get that same feel, I would think in certain cases, or or MMA. It's the pro wrestling that makes you a pro wrestling fan. That that makes you want more from just a suplex or just a fucking fantastic move, right? I mean, how many matches have you seen in your lifetime, Joel, where, wow, the matches were great, but there really wasn't anything to sink your teeth into? You know what I mean? The moves were fucking unbelievable. But you're kind of like, okay, that was a that was a the moves with the Z, yeah. right? Like, like this Noah match. And, you know, this is not me criticizing that, the... Um Goshiyazaki against Takashi Sugiura match, which I watched, and maybe uh, a long-term diehard Noah fan might enjoy that match the same way yep. that I have enjoyed Hiromu versus El Desperado. But me, as a casual fan, parachuting in and watching that match, I'm appreciating it 
uh, aesthetically, you know, the just the you know the physicality, the, the technique, the way the match is laid out, but the emotional connection for me isn't there. Right. Well, I, I, and that's exactly how I felt about that particular match. Um, and I texted you that that yeah, I mean, this was a fucking brutal match in the sense of the chops and the fucking they they beat the shit out of each other for forty minutes, maybe even longer. Um, but I feel like I missed something in the sense of I'm not there emotionally. I'm not there. I'm I'm there emotionally in the match in the sense of again. I can appreciate two motherfuckers beating the shit out of each other. Absolutely. But to say that I knew the backstory or if I if I um had, you know, that emotional investment that maybe a, a hardcore Noah fan might have and knows the backstory that led to where they're going with with, with that match. Um and again, it's not that hard for people to do. I just got to admit that I have it. Um it's not going to connect with me as hard as maybe this match. Um, I love this match, man. I, I mean, I, I know I feel like I'm gushing over it, but I really love this match for for all the reasons that you mentioned. And again, I loved it more the more I learned about it. It's like, again, like reading a good book or or seeing a movie and then having somebody point out other little small details about a match that make it even more awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, that's the best I could say. It, it, it was awesome on the surface, and the deeper you dived into it and the deeper you went down that rabbit hole, the more enjoyment you got from it. So um, that's classic pro wrestling, you know? That's classic pro wrestling. I can't, I can't, my favorite match of the year. Um, and, and the more I learn about it and the more information I get about it and the more little details I get about it, the more I enjoy it. So, um, yeah, I think this is one of those matches where you could show a friend who's not maybe the, the biggest pro wrestling fan, have them watch the match and then, uh, and then you can kind of feed them, drip, drip them, you know, why this happened, why this happened, why this happened. And I think you're gonna you're gonna have a fan for life, and unfortunately they'll be disappointed because not all pro wrestling is that. So you you don't think they should have been cutting promos on each other in the middle of the match? <laughs> I hate you. I want to expose you for. <laughs> there was nobody looking at their hands. I go, what's happening? Why weren't you looking at your hands? Um, I'll tell you what though, Ke- Kevin Kelly did an outstanding job because I watched it in English commentary and Japanese commentary afterwards. Kevin Kelly did a wonderful job putting over El Desperado in defeat and and making him feel like what I think was a star-making performance, even though he lost. Yeah, I told him that. I, I actually texted him that. Um, I, I, I said it was one of your best best moments in New Japan, that that post-match, you know, after the pinfall. Yeah, I said you did, you know, you know, during the match, outstanding. But, like, I think one of your, your shining moments for your entire career um, was that post. So, um, yeah, I think... Look, when it, when it all aligns, and 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 here's the thing too. If we're talking about commentating, he's in his house watching it on a fucking monitor. He's not in the building, and trust me, there's not an announcer any sport that is going to sit there and tell you that being in the building doesn't help them make a better call. Um, 
and being away from the action is makes it a little bit more difficult. Now, again, there's not a broadcaster that I that I know that hasn't called the game into their recording device for practice, right? They all do it. They all probably still do it. But still, to have that kind of um, to be able to 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 connect dots and and give you the emotion of the moment in such a way. Again, he's in his fucking office at home, thousands of miles away. He he, he deserves some credit on that one. He did an outstanding job. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So we've got a few questions about this match. Brandy said, where would you rank... 
This year's Best of the Super Juniors final historically. It's the best one I've seen since I started watching, but that's only the past five years or so. I love, love, love several older finals, but none had near the emotional impact for me as this one did. Yeah, I agree, Brandy, because I'm just thinking back to like 2017. It was uh, Osprey versus Kushida. 2018, a brilliant Hiromu against Ishimori match. Last year, Shingo versus Osprey match. All matches that I think were maybe more... Uh, spectacular, more athletic, mm. more thrilling in terms of the moves taking place inside the ring, but none of them hit me on that emotional level that this match did. So this year's is my favorite. Yeah, it's again, it incorporates everything that is great about pro wrestling. Um, but it's a hard question, and it really depends on what kind of mood I'm in. But it's look, it, I think I think it's an instant classic. I really do. I think it's an instant classic. Um, and there is something to be said. I am a huge fan of a masked wrestler having the aesthetic of of having a half-ripped mask on someone's face. I don't know what it is. I've seen, you know, New Japan, you know, they're not afraid of it. They've done it in the past with El Samurai. They've done it with the past with Liger. Um I just love the fucking feel of that. There's something that triggers inside of me that's like, oh, here we go. This is fucking great. And it, that might just be from that one Naoki Sano Liger match where that happened. Um, that was a great moment, man. That was a great fucking moment. It's up there. I, I mean, I, I hate to let this this match just override me and just push everything else aside. It really would depend on my mood and what I wanted to watch, but... Christ, it's upper. It is. It is up there at the top, and that's saying something because those finals of matches, you're rarely left disappointed. Um, this man, this had everything. This had everything. And, 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 and let's give a tip of the cap to that crowd who – did that feel like a release? Did that feel like a – I mean, they had a, that. I feel terrible for those crowds having there. There and there have been moments I'm sure where they kind of wanted to gasp or yell or what what have you. For Hiromo and El Desperado to get that emotion from a crowd who, in their mind, trust me, are thinking, "All right, we can't yell, we can't yell, you 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 can't yell, we can clap, we can't yell, we can't yell. Oh, I got to yell. <laughs> I got to yell. Right? That's amazing to have them lose it for, you know, lose it. That's, that's, the, that's the sense. They lost their composure for that pro wrestling match. Fucking great. Damn. Great job. Louis says, uh, should Despy ditch the mask? I personally wouldn't want him to. Make the unmaskings a rare Kishin Liger type thing. Yeah, I agree with that. I think having it as a, a Kishin Liger sort of scenario would be quite effective. Yeah. Um, keep the mask. You know what? Um, keep, I, I wanted to keep the mask. And I, and I would prefer just let's move on from this match. And it doesn't need to be a thing because we don't want to cheapen that moment. Keep keep the mask. Uh, the mask is, is important. The mask is El Desperado. Um, and I don't want to dilute the moment. Keep it the same. 
Ico Rule says, does Hiromu move up to heavyweight to become a bigger star, or does the junior division end up getting more focus in 2021 due to Hiromu's emergence as one of their it top al- guys? I, it already has it. It already has it. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. think he, he has done what he said he wanted to do and elevate the division. You know, it's not surpassing the heavyweight title at the moment. You know, probably won't happen in the future. But who knows? But I just think Hiromu is such a transcendental star that I, I would keep him in the junior division. I don't think... I don't know, it's a tricky one because he could just be an absolute megastar if you strap yeah. the rocket to him and have him win that IWGP heavyweight title at some point. But he's just could. so valuable to the junior division that wherever you put him, he's going to be a star. I th- For the first time, you have someone who, who can rival Liger as being a guy and even exceed Liger. Like You could keep him as a junior. And you could build a promotion around him. You know how they like they wanted to treat the Intercontinental title? Like you could do that with the junior title, it feels like. Like he's legitimately a star of that company. Like when we talk about that Mount Rushmore, like you could chisel Hiromo's face in that fucking stone. You're headlining shows with him. You're headlining big shows with him. You mean to tell me you couldn't headline a dome show with him? I really feel like you could. I really feel like you could. I feel like right now, and even not even right now, but the build even to right now. I mean, who are the guys that are bigger than Hiromu right now? Naito? Let's put it this way. Is, is Kota Ibushi right now bigger than Hiromu? No. No. Is Jay White bigger than Hiromu? No. I, I think, just to cut to the heart of it, Naito, Tanahashi. Okada? That, yeah, Okada, I don't... Okada's got to be... Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll give you Okada. Not evil. No, that's it. It's it's those three. Yeah. yeah. He's he's on your he's on your Rushmore. I mean, name me a guy that that was a junior that that you would say that about. The only guy I can think of is Liger. And think of and, and think of and think of what Liger meant to the company. I don't know. I think you got yourself a guy who can. I don't think you need to like. He's the guy you don't need to make a heavyweight. You know how they talk about guys who you don't need him to give him a belt. He's already star. Ba 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 ba. You don't need to make him a heavyweight. He's already on your Mount Rushmore. How about that? How about that? I agree. All right, next question. Matthew says, top three matches from this year's Best of the Super Juniors. I'm sure number one's Despi Hiromu, deservedly so. So, yeah, that's number one. Right. I would have Hiromu against Gucci as my number two. Mm-hmm. And then my number three is very close between Hiromu, Robbie Eagles, and Hiromu versus Doki. I'm going to go Hiromu versus Eagles because I thought that was just a real coming out party for Robbie Eagles. So, Hiromu Despi, Hiromu Taguchi, and Hiromu Eagles. Hiromu Eagles is my second. Um, what am I third? There's a lot of good matches thrown in there. But I'm going to e- I mean, I could give you definitive one, Hiromo Despi, two, um, Hiromo Eagles. Who, 
uh, you know what? There is some sad news, unfortunately. He's he wrestled this whole entire tournament. I'm talking about Robbie Eagles. Um, with with a heavy weight on his shoulders. You know, his father was in in poor health and uh, in the Philippines. And uh, there was a GoFundMe that was out there, and I, I I don't I don't usually I don't know I don't if I donated to every GoFundMe I'd be a poor man. But there was something that compelled me about this. I don't know what can why there was such a like I felt it. So um, uh, you know you contribute. To to the GoFundMe because of the the the, the medical bills that were mounting, um, and he and he and he passed away um, from from, a, from what I understand. So um, I'm heartbroken from from hearing that news because I know what it's like to lose a father, um, and again to be able to wrestle at that high performance. It's almost as if Robbie was kind of like. Uh, I don't want to say doing it for him, but doing it to, I don't know, he, he found an extra level, if that's the thing. Um, so my heart goes out to Robbie and his family, and um, sorry to bring the podcast down, but um, I did want to mention that that um, I know Joel saw the news and, and myself, and we were, our hearts are with you, Robbie Eagles, and um, stay strong, my man. Yeah, absolutely. Best wishes to Robbie and the family. Please do contribute to the GoFundMe uh, because it is still needed and appreciated. Yep. Um, okay, let's talk about Despy then. Uh, Eric says, we've already got three juniors in two singles matches at Wrestle Kingdom, but a generic tag match feels like a step back. How do you keep Despy's momentum going? Never six-man with Minoru and Kanemaru? So it's a strange one because he is... He's not young. I mean, he's, what, 37 years old at the end of this year, but he also started his career relatively late at the age of 26. Uh, Jay Cafe says, is Despy the strongest contender to win the next Best of the Super Junior? So, um, to be fair, right, Despy has been booked like a mid-card junior, even though he, he feels, to me, like a star, and he is a star in Japan. You know, the fans love him. He's incredibly over. But in terms of actual... Uh, singles programs that he's gotten and, and pushes and success and, and titles and tournament wins, the resume is not there. So, what do you think you do with El Desperado now to capitalize on that? Here's the problem: is that you you have a lot of great pro wrestlers. Um, and again, we talked about the whole backstory and all the stuff that led in and 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 all, all the things that helped make this match great. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have a story to tell that in in a similar vein and and have given that opportunity. There could be some compelling things there too, uh, and, and that's what makes it somewhat difficult for New Japan is that not everyone could be uh, in the hot frying pan at, at at the exact same time. It's impossible to do. Um, you would love to keep the momentum going. Uh, but how do you do that without without beating it to death? That's the last thing you the last thing you want to do is have people be bored of it, right? Um, and say, oh, this match again. Mm. I mean, what's the status of Kanemaru? I hate to stick him back in the junior tag division, but he was an anchor there. Um, but I mean, does anybody know the status of his injury and and 
what how likely he is to return. I think Suzuki Goon right now is in a bit of flux. Sorry, did you say Kanemaru? Yeah. Uh, he's back on the Row 2 tour, so... Oh, he's fine. great. Okay, good. There you go. Fantastic. Then, I mean, I, I, I look, they are an anchor in that junior tag division. Um, I have no problem with him being there and having success there and holding that down there. I mean, uh, it wouldn't be too hard to warm him back up. And I think, here's the thing, I, I don't think anybody would complain about a rematch either. Um, so... And I don't think anybody would complain about giving them the title, if need be, uh, for a, a cup of coffee. So um, I think there's still plenty more to you can do with him, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be your top guy uh, and coming off this match. Someone in the Discord has just posted something interesting. Uh, Pumpkin oh. is an excerpt from an interview right after the show that someone translated, which uh, I assume is an accurate translation, could be wrong. Uh, so this is from Hiromu who says it's always difficult to remember what I was thinking during a match but rage matches are fueled by feelings of anger so I must have wanted to expose his real nature his everything I think you just attacked a vital point I think that's what angered me why are you using these tactics when you're already awesome without them so I punched him I don't really remember but next thing I knew I was tearing away his mask and his face was shown from that point on it wasn't rage there was nostalgia mixed in it became super fun enjoyable going all out it felt good so there you are, a little bit of extra insight into that piece of art we saw. Uh, Sentient Amanita says, Also, what is New Japan's allergy for booking non-title junior feuds? Despi put on a career performance, match the year candidate, and a month later is going to watch Kanemaru get pinned by Watto in an eight-minute tag opener. To say nothing of <laughs> Eagle Show, who are best case getting multi-man tag to hell. So, yeah, I think if I'm going to give a next step to New Japan, it would be to book some non-title singles feuds because, you know, the wrestlers, I'm sure, have got plenty of... Uh, creative ideas so it'd be good you know on on these big shows or even on the b shows have a little singles junior match that isn't for the title so we can build up and showcase these stories don't just leave it until best of the super juniors i would love that i would love that i would love that for every division to be to be truthful wouldn't it be great to have a tag just a regular old tag match no titles involved for a number one contenders match or you know for any of the titles or storylines that involve something other than the title um, singles matches. I mean, I know we're getting one with uh, what Okada and Osprey, but you know, you know what I mean. I mean, the the undercard could be filled up pretty nicely if they just um, you know gave those guys singles matches. I would agree, one hundred percent. Right. Let's move on to the Super J Cup then, which was won by El Fantasmo. Nearly said El Desperado there. So on yeah, on his way to the final, he beat. Leo Rush in the first round, he beat Blake Christian in the semi-final, and then he beat ACH in the final. So nearly perfect with the way we called it last week. We knew this was going to happen, and we knew that this show was going to be basically, hey, remember El Phantasmo, just a way to heat him back up before he flies back to Japan and appears at Wrestle Kingdom. But I couldn't help but feel really disappointed because I was sitting there watching that Leo Rush match I was getting excited by Leo Rush I was thinking oh Leo Rush versus Hiromu that does like that would be fucking great and then we got you know the dick punch and the CR2 and then El Fantasma wins and it was exactly what we expected was going to happen but I was still pretty bummed out after that happened after Leo Rush lost I felt like I didn't want to watch the show anymore because I knew 
what was going to happen. And, you know, to be fair to El Phantasmo, he mixed it up a bit. You know, he pinned Blake Christian clean with super kick, which, you know, is what I like to see. You don't need to go to that bag of tricks for every single match. And uh, it was pl- played out a little bit differently in the final with ACH as well. But I wasn't blown away by everything. It was a lot of El Phantasmo to consume in an empty arena show. It was, you know, 40 minutes of ELP, three matches of his. And I don't hate him as much as a lot of other people do. I don't love him. I, you know, I think he's a perfectly good wrestler. He's capable of having really good matches. He, I think he's had great matches with Osprey. He had a great match with Rocky Romero. But it was just something about the way this show played out, which was just a, it just rubbed me the wrong way and left me in a bit of a bad mood. Well, we don't want that to happen. That's for sure when we watch a show. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think people get, you know, dirty heel American Canadian, you know, <laughs> Bullet Club member. And, and the funny thing is, Damon, sorry to interrupt, but it seems like from the, the Japanese fans that I've talked to, like Manabu, like Kuni Saito, that the Japanese fans are really into that. They like El, Desper- uh, El Fantasmo's shenanigans. So there was some funny stuff, like, you know, him doing the, the music rights gimmick. I thought that was really funny and him, you know, messing about with a jacket. And I liked his look. You know, it had this sort of, sort of scuzzy lockdown you know, didn't have time to shave or cut his hair, just looking really grimy and stinky. I liked all of that, and I think he is an effective heel, but this is not just me. I mean, um, Elliot says, do you have any insider info whether or not Alex Kozlov finds El Phantasmo despicable? Uh, And Daniel says, as much as I enjoyed the wrestling in the Super J Cup, I'm disappointed with the booking. I feel like we need something more fresh than a cheating Bullet Club heel. And when Leo Rush lost, I died a little inside. Here's hoping this isn't a one-off and we get these guys in Japan in 2020. And yeah, I said on Twitter, actually, we've had 10 tournaments since the restart. Four of them have been won by cheating Bullet Club heels. So... Uh, we had Evil winning a Super J Cup. We had Kenta winning the uh, sorry the New Japan Cup. We had Evil, uh, Kenta winning the New Japan Cup USA. We had Gorillas of Destiny winning the World Tag League. We've got El Fantasmo winning the Super J Cup, and we've also got Jay White with the G1 briefcase. And that just feels it's erring on the side of excessive for me. Right. Yeah. No, I can see that. Um, I will say this: that they were put in a tough spot. In that, you know, we're trying to have a Super J Cup. We're trying to bring in interesting juniors. And, they and you know, it's not like they grow on trees, um, you know, that could compete at a level that New Japan's looking for. And then, add to that, you're in an empty warehouse. And you're having a tournament with people that, you know, I would say some of the audience isn't very familiar with. Um, some that some you know that they are, and they had to make it work. It's a tough spot that they were in, uh, and they did this so that El Fantasmo could get over to fucking Tokyo. I mean, right now, I can't imagine New Japan being quick to sign anybody just given the current state of pro wrestling in this year, maybe, or, you know, 2021, maybe, but you, you have to think that just from a pure finance standpoint might be very difficult to do. Okay. So let's just say that Leo Rush for, for some fluky thing wins or ACH wins. 
Okay, now you're flying in ACH in and Leo Rush in. And I hate to say it, but you don't know where this virus is going to take you. And the headaches that, that could happen. Um, to, in, in the way, I mean, you could say the same thing for El Phantasmo, but I think like once you get El Phantasmo in Japan, he's going to be there for a little bit. Look, I uh, there are parts of this where it felt like we were we're just trying to get from point A to point B, and it, and it it almost felt unnecessary to have this tournament. Um, and why not just just have the match that you want to have with El Fantasmo and Hiromo? I guess having him win this tournament gives it a little bit more strength and a little bit more oomph. But watching this tournament, I was like, okay. It didn't here's the thing. It didn't feel like must watch. It didn't feel like it was something that if I didn't watch this, New Japan was gonna crumble before me and I'll be lost. It it I think everyone knew El Phantasma was winning. And everyone knew this is where we were going. And even you, the previous, what, last week or the week before, were like, hey, Super J Cup winner, challenge. We got two nights, right? It's kind of where we went. And I don't know if, I don't know if that excites me. I'm going to be truthful. Does Hiromo El Fantasmo warm the cockles of your cockles? Doesn't for me. Yeah, we've got a question from Renegade Dugongs. He says, Is getting to see an extra Hiromu match worth the price of having to see an El Fantasmo match? So, uh, oh. yeah, so it is as we predicted. It's going to be Hiromu against El Fantasmo on January 4th, and then uh, the winner on January 5th will face Ishimori for the junior title. I think Hiromu versus El Fantasmo will be really good because. Really good? Yeah, I mean, Hiromu is just great with everyone. You know, name me someone here always had a bad match with. So on that stage, I'm sure it will be brilliant. Well, brilliant, maybe very good. Uh, because we've seen with El Fantasmo with the right opponent that he can have very entertaining matches. So I've got no worries about the quality of the match. Have you got any reservations about the booking and more instances of kind of crowbarring in uh, like sort of mini tournament scenarios to fill up this double dome show? That's that's really my biggest concern is that we're just trying to fill up fucking two nights. I mean, right now we don't even have a full show for both nights, right? We don't have a full show for both nights. We have first night that's pretty full, but second night is not full. I mean, obviously a lot of is contingent on who wins first night. But uh you know, looking at that lineup, if if, if we want to transition into Wrestle Kingdom talk, we can. Uh Boy, show me the sexy show me the sexy match that everyone's hyped for. Can we come on to that? I do have that yes, we in can. our list of things we'll come up to if you don't mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. One other thing I wanted to bring up from Super J Cup was uh we saw Ren Narita um making his I say comeback. I mean I don't know if he's been having untelevised matches, I would assume so. Uh but I was impressed by the other uh young line from the LA Dojo, Kevin Knight, who I thought looked Really exciting there, so I'll be watching him very closely. Uh, did anyone else from this show impress you, either from the tournament or the, the tag matches? 
Uh, Red Narita, obvi- uh, obviously. Kevin Knight, when I first heard the name, that reminded me of uh, an old uh, East Coast indie wrestler. We wrestled many times, Kevin Knight. Uh, I was like, it can't possibly be the same one. Um, ACH, I liked. Chris Bay, I thought was really good. Um, you know who's been pretty decent every time I've turned on strong? Which, I, again, admittedly, not often. Fred Rosser. I thought he looked really good. And I think he's I think he's kind of fit in more and more the more times I've seen him. Um to me he he felt very out of place in the beginning. But I think he's kind of found a nice little groove. I could see New Japan using him and bringing him in. Uh Leo Rush I, I mean, look, I think when everybody saw that first round matchup, they were, they were, oh, why, why? And, you know, things happened the way everyone thought they were going to happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, ACH was fine. The ACH-TJP uh, match was, it was a first round match, right? I don't know. It was okay. Fine. Uh, That's it. Everything was just fine. There's nothing that you're going to, oh, no. you've got to watch this match. My favorite no. match was uh, El Fantasma against Leo Rush. And yeah. Yeah, everything else, I would say, you don't go out of your way to watch it, unfortunately. It's there. I mean, it's it's there. I, I What do you want me to do? You know what I mean? They were they were put in a tough spot. That's a hard spot. Um, it, it Nothing is terrible. Nothing is great. Okay, well, speaking of stuff that is just there, we've got the Road to the Tokyo Dome shows announced. One of them took place today, but there's only going to be three of them televised. Those are from Korakuen. We've got some notable stuff here. Tiger Mask making his comeback from Diverticulitis, which is great to see. Uh, Togi Makabe's back as well, as I said before, Kanemaru's back. The third match on the December 23rd show is Toriyano with his final KBW 2020 defense against Vale. <laughs> I believe that's going to be a body slam match, but that's not confirmed Great. yet. But aside from that, just a lot of six-man matches. Uh, Mikey CC says, how many stars will Grapple give the Togo JY Evil team? And Oof. the final match, the snow match, if you like, is Sho and Ibushi against Bushi and Naito, which I don't know, it's a little bit underwhelming to me. I know a lot of people wanted to see Naito Sonata against Jay and Evil, which I don't think we're getting. So... Yeah, just apart from that KOPW match, which you know, was likely to be a train wreck or very fun, depending on your angle, not really that much to get excited about. Well, let us let me ask you this then. It's it's Naito and Bushi against Ibushi and Sho, you said? Correct. Okay. Who, who's getting the snow? You'd think Ibushi. I, I would think Ibushi pinning Bushi. Yeah, okay. Well, she could be show pinning Bushi, I suppose, but somebody's pinning Bushi, right? Yeah, yeah. So Bushi gets snow again. Did he get it last year? I can't even remember who got it last year. It was a match that we wanted Liger to win, but he didn't. Right. I think so. Right. I remember him in there with Kenny the one year. Right. Was it? Was it? Maybe it was. Was it? No, it couldn't have been Tan. Was it Okada? I don't know. I have to look back. God, our memories suck. But yes, Abushi gets the snow. I think, right? I think that's. Uh, I mean, Bushi's the fucking 
he's he's a giveaway in this one, right? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll uh, I think we'll see Ibushi with the snow. All right, that's always a good that's always a good fun show though. Right, I, found show it, you, I found it. I found it. So last year okay. the main event was. Rocky Romero, Yoshihashi, and Okada defeating Liger, Tanahashi, and Ibushi. So it was Okada who got the winning pinfall. Okada got the, got the snow. Okay. It's always important. It's an important thing. <laughs> who gets the snow? Kind of like a title, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of is. And then what do we got? A body slam challenge match? Yeah, oh, that's, that's what Farley said. I mean, this KOPW thing, we said when it was out, like, most likely just going to end up fizzling out, quietly swept under the carpet. It's Apparently, this is one of the few things that the Japanese fan base really uh, vocally rejected. They were <laughs> dead against this, apparently. A lot of emails and, and letters written in that they were just not into this at all. So it's just been quietly downgraded from Okada's big idea to Yano's comedy tour. Have you got any thoughts or, or <laughs> yeah, what, what's, what are your feelings on KOPW 2020? Do you think we even see it back next year? I don't. Or do you think no. this is the last we're going to hear of it? I think this is the last we hear of it. I, I I pray. I mean, there the let's this. I'll give you the positive argument. It gives people something to do. Okay, and the records right. will show that El Desperado defeated Satoshi Kojima in the qualifying match. That's true. That is, that's true. I mean, ugh, it's something that look from the jump. We all we're all scratching our head of what the fuck is this? We don't need another title. It's the last thing we need, uh, and it's just nonsense. And I can't imagine. And and here's the thing. I think New Japan. I don't think New Japan knows it's okay. This, this shit the bed. Uh, and I think it'll be swept under the carpet. And I don't. I I, I think. I think by mid. 21 i'll go so far as to say let's put it this way we won't hear about it on the dome it will not be a thing on the dome next year i would be shocked if we are talking about this fucking horse shit at the dome next year okay so we did get some wrestle kingdom 50 match announcements for january 4th we've got hiromu versus elp We've got Dangerous Techers against gorillas of destiny for the tag titles we have hiroshi tanahashi versus the great okan Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay and Naito versus Ibushi. Those last two were announced before, but now we've got five official matches so far for January 4th. Let's talk about this Tanahashi Great Okan match um, because Andrew says, with Great Okan getting a Wrestle Kingdom match against Tanahashi, what grade would you give Okan's return from excursion so far? This seems like a really divisive one because when the match was announced on Twitter, a lot of people who, you know, admittedly these are not diehard New Japan fans, were quite derisory about the match thinking oh you know who's Tanahashi pissed off poor Tanahashi why is he working with this idiot you know look at all the great matches he's had before but I'm excited about this match I think Okan has done really well since he's come back he's gradually uh sort of finding his feet he's incorporating new moves new interesting moves into his arsenal and he just looks more confident like the promo he, it looks to me like he is the spokesperson for the Empire group now which I think it's definitely the right move because I think he is the strongest promo out of all of them. And the way he, he was cutting a really uh, aggressive, confident promo without a microphone on that final show, which I thought was very impressive. I'm excited by this, Damon. And I think, you know, this is not a match that Hiroshi Tanahashi has been forced into against his will. This is an opponent that 
you know, at the very least has been greenlit by Tanahashi, but I suspect has been handpicked by Tanahashi. Um, you know, I, I think when you're looking at laying out your Wrestle Kingdom cards, the first thing you start with, I guess, is the title match. And then I would say if Okada and Tanahashi are not in that title match, those singles matches with those two top guys would be the next ones that you pencil in there. So I suspect that Okada's been handpicked as Tanahashi's opponent from early on. And I think this is a sign that the company are very high on Okan, that he is going to be a player moving forward. You know, a lot of people were, were doubtful about Tanahashi working with the, the newly returned Switchblade Jay White back at Wrestle Kingdom 12. The match wasn't any kind of classic, but it was a, a, a good match and also an indicator of what the company thought of Jay White, who, of course, went on to become an IWGP heavyweight champion. So I'm really looking forward to this match. So what did you think about... Uh, Okan since his return and, and your thoughts on him facing Tanahashi at the Dome. Um, I mean, again, I I think you're spot on when when you talk about Tanahashi um, being a guy that can kind of pick and choose where he wants to go when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom. He's gonna, you know, he's has a a I'm sure a very vocal voice in who he wrestles. Uh I'm not going to go so far as to say he was handpicked by Hiroshi Tanahashi, but trust me, I'm sure he had a, a a big say in. He didn't just show up for a meeting and be like, "Okay," and shrug his shoulders and shuffle his feet out the fucking door. And you're right. I think a lot of people are upset with the realization that time moves on. I think that's really the biggest issue. Everybody wants. What did I see? I saw somewhere someone say. Create new stars. No, not that star. <laughs> not that. You know what I mean? Like that's what it feels like. Um, it's the, look. The, the company has to build new stars, and the 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 way you build new stars is you have them wrestle either stars that might be declining, or have them surprise people and beat a top guy who's who's. At the top. Um, this is a big match. This is the big biggest match in this guy's career. Who else are you going to put in the ring with him? You know, Tanahashi, maybe the greatest pro wrestler of our lifetime, everyone. Uh, yeah, and his 2020 has been him selflessly putting over opponent after opponent after opponent. Yeah. And yeah. having excellent matches in the process. He hasn't been out there yeah. shitting the bed, you know, hobbling around. He whilst the story is him declining, he is still one of the, I think, the best bell-to-bell wrestlers in the company. And he's proven that this year, even though he is losing all the time. And it just shows how unselfish he is. And, you know, this is just, this is not a case of, oh, well, everyone, we've booked matches for everyone else. Who's left for Tanahashi? Oh, sticking with Great Okan. Uh-uh. That's, you know, that's not how not this that, is playing yeah. out. They have picked an opponent for him who is going to uh, get him over and just shows you, you need to pay attention to this guy because he's going to be a big part of New Japan's future. And never, never bet against Hiroshi Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome. I'll put a fucking used tissue in the ring and I'll guarantee you I'll have a fucking match with Hiroshi Tanahashi. You know I, and I, mean? I would also say with the Switchblade comparisons, I think Okan is more comfortable and more confident with the gimmick he's working now than Jay White was doing the Switchblade stuff back at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Right, right. 
Now, I think the match could be fine. Better, better than fine. I think the match would be very good. Um, look, is it weird to see Great Okan in a pretty prominent match in the Tokyo Dome? Of course, yes. I mean, you know, you see the guy walking out at Rev Pro, and you're like, "Wow, okay, this is this is this is excursion." Yeah, and imagine that being told that on his comeback. He will be wrestling a singles match against Hiroshi fucking Tanashi. I'm excited, Damon. I'm really looking forward to this match. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be... I, to me, it might be... If you look at that entire card... I mean, look. I think everybody's kind of penciled in Okada and Osprey as being the match that's going to fucking blow the roof off. Right? Hopefully. And... Naito and Ibushi, even though it does feel like we've seen it a trillion times, it will be great. That Tanahashi Okan match, I'm telling you flat out, I have more. I, I like to me that's maybe the most interesting match. Like, I, like I, I will be watching that match because I just find it to be a interesting spot. For New Japan Pro Wrestling and Hiroshi Tanahashi and Great Okan. I think it's I think it's an important piece of New Japan Pro Wrestling history of that of what we'll be seeing at the Tokyo Dome. Again, Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome, if you if you fucking hand waving that, you're mistaken. If you're hand waking Okan, who again it's jarring. I get it. Trust me. I know it. I kind of feel that way. Jarring can be good. Give it a shot. Because I think we'll be I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. January 5th, we have the winner of Hiromu El Fantasma against Ishimori for the junior title. We've got Shingo versus Jeff Cobb for the Never title. So Sentian Amanita says, are you guys nervous about Cobb winning the Never title? It was the most interesting belt precisely because Shingo could have the Despi or show matches. And I think they'd use Cobb winning it to elevate him and make it just another big boy belt. I I think think Shingo has done enough with that belt where I think... Jeff Cobb winning it would be a real feather in the cap of Jeff Cobb. And I think it's them rewarding him for, well, we haven't had the confirmed yet, but it's it seems likely that he signed a, a deal with New Japan. And I think it's a good move. I'm excited for the match. And I think Cobb winning that belt, and maybe he is going to have big boy matches, but I think his G1 climax showed that there is more to Jeff Cobb's game than we thought, based on last year's G1. I think he had a really uh, decent, uh, diverse array of matches in this year's G1 Climax. So I saw enough in the G1 to make me think that Jeff Cobb, as never openweight champion once again, I mean, obviously he, he won it before, but that it would be a success. Yeah, I think the match would be great. I really do. I, I mean, seriously, think of this. Shingo, Cobb, you're going to get your fucking beefy never uh, openweight championship match at the Tokyo Dome. I, I think they're going to be fucking... I think they're going to be ready. I think they're going to be looking looking to have some fun. I'm not I'm not concerned about that at all. What I am a little bit concerned with is... You look at that first night, right? And then you move to night two. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some... Well, let me ask you this. There's no Will Ospreay on night two yet. 
There's no Okada on night two. There's no Tanahashi on night two. Um, feels like there's a lot of people. I mean, you figure Abushi's not on night two yet. Um, seems like we got a lot of lot of big names that aren't on night two here, Joel. Uh, well, Damon, you are discounting the announcement of a special singles match between Sonata and Evil, <laughs> which I was going to get everyone's juices back. Now, to be fair, right, on that World Tag League Best of Super Juniors final show, I thought Sonata did a good job. You know, last week we were complaining that there's no levels to him. He doesn't get upset by anything. But here he was, I say fired up, as fired up as we've seen from Sonata. He was pissed off. He was shoving the ref. He was shoving Shingo away. He was pushing the young lines away. And he was just going after Evil with, admittedly, some quite weak punches. And I would have liked to see a bit more emoting. But, you know, this is Sonata. He is not good at emoting. We we know that is to be true for him at this point. But I applaud the effort that they did try to show some levels to the character. And you know, obviously all of them listening to Super J cast, going out and <laughs> following the advice we're giving them. But, I, yeah, again, I applaud the effort. And it made me not... You know, this is not top of my list of matches I'm looking forward to for Wrestle Kingdom, but made me uh, more excited for the match than I was before. Uh, you know what? As weird as this sounds for a a conservative New Japan pro wrestling fan, uh, I would have loved to have seen a gimmick match here. Like, the last thing I want to see is Sonata and Evil get into a fucking arm bar. You know what I mean? Like, like I want them to have a feud. I want, I want a continuation of what we saw for flashes post-match between Sonata and Evil. Like, to me, a singles match between these two without something, some kind of stipulation, some kind of juice, some kind of fucking something... Seems like I'm going to watch these guys fucking have a wrestling match for 20 minutes. I don't, can't say that I give a shit. Uh, unless they work it in a, in a fashion and in a way that helps um, stimulate that emotion of these guys are at each other's throats. And truth be told, Joel, they give me no confidence that that's going to happen. So, uh, no. I don't have confidence. I, I, looking at what's been announced right now for night two, that is my least interesting matchup. In fact, to me, it's my least interesting matchup of the two nights. Give me a mm. least interesting matchup of the two nights, Joel. I agree. That, that uh, is my least yeah. interesting one. Yep. I can't. I can't get into it. I can't fucking sink my teeth into it. I can't get fired up over it. It's there. I'm sorry. Unless they do something spectacular and blow me away and literally change the way they wrestle, I, what, what am I? What am I? What am I getting excited about? Tell me why I should be care about this match. Yeah, if it's anything Sign like up. their previous matches this year, then we're in for a disappointment. But we'll see. Sixty minutes. Give, give Sixty minutes. Chance. 60 minutes. 60 minutes. <laughs> Imagine uh, 59 minutes of that horseshit. <laughs> oh, God. 
We'll also get the winner of Naito and Ibushi facing Jay White on January 5th. Uh, Teja says, how likely is Ibushi leaving Wrestle Kingdom with both belts from a scale of uh, 1 to 100? Uh, I would give him a solid... 8. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I was going to say seven, 70. 70%. Yeah, 7 out of 10 chance that he's leaving with those titles, I think. It feels cold, though, doesn't it? You know, with Jay White not being there, it, there's just there's no buzz about that. And just the fact that the booking of it was so clumsy and they ruined the G1, they ruined the briefcase stipulation to, to crowbar this in. I just, I, I'm sure in ring it will be really good, but I just, I look at those two main events, I feel nothing. No, I know, me too, man. I, I hate to say that, but I'm kind of glad this is the year we don't go. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, it's, uh, it's it it's it's hard for me to find the the juice. It's hard for me to find the energy in this. It does feel just duct taped together. Um, main event wise, it's just man. Look, if any other company did the same thing, Joel, they would be getting the boots. The fucking boots. Um, I, look, he's had a very good year, Naito. But at every turn, while this guy holds the title, there's always some fucking thing that, like, like when they do this to fucking Okada or Tanahashi or this idea of double belt again, would they do that to them? I can't imagine that ever happening. And again, the loss to like as much people can like it, people can, but it was weird. The loss to evil. Um, I don't know, man. I just find it somewhat comical at this point. What they put. Naito through. No, David, he's going to break the record for having the most uh, single defense reigns of the IWGP heavyweight title. That'll be, if he loses to Ibushi on night one, then that will be three heavyweight title reigns where he's only defended it once. Right. Do you think he's losing to Ibushi? No. Do you? Yeah, I do think he's losing. I think actually really? the most interesting thing they could do would be have Naito retain and come out January 5th still as the champion. I think yeah. that would actually be exciting and interesting, um, but I don't think that is the likely outcome here. Really, you're going with Abushi? Yeah. And then Abushi Jay White as the main event? Yeah, and I guess the story would be that Ibushi is so banged up from the Naito match where they tried to kill each other that he's um, ripe pickings for Jay White to exploit, but you know somehow and Jay overcomes White, and they- I mean, Ibushi ate a lot of shit before didn't he you know he lost both his matches at the double dome so i think it's yeah it's time for him to win it although i you know is that going to feel am i going to feel anything watching that i'm not feeling it now i'll tell you that yeah a guy who lost the briefcase slides in ham that's it that's that's what i think has taken the the wind out of the sails the fact that he lost that briefcase and then less than a day later, he was crowbarred back into it. That is what has made me think, just, you know, 
shrug my shoulders when I, I look at these matches. And for what purpose, though? Like, okay, so he loses. Again, why not just have him keep the fucking briefcase? Like, you yeah. did that well, they to wanted to get Jay White in there. So, again, this okay, is, this is the double sword of, of having the two dome shows. That you get more money, but then if you don't... Like I said back then, if you don't have the confidence to have one of your, your other belts headlining one of the nights, then don't run two shows. I think they they should be more courageous. I think if they booked the Intercontinental title properly, they could have that headline one of the, the nights. Fucking Hiromu headliner. He's a megastar. I think there right. will be no problem with him defending the junior heavyweight title on January 4th and then having IWGP heavyweight on January 5th. But if we're going to have this convoluted bullshit every year where um, you're crowbarring in a load of guys so it, it turns into a double gold dash where you have it defended on both nights, then that renders the G1 winner meaningless, the briefcase meaningless. It just everything becomes meaningless. Do you think that New Japan held back stuff just because they know pandemic crowd, they can only get 25, 20, 25 in the building per night? They, and, and to me, that's why it feels like they booked two nights. You know what I mean? They booked two nights to, to – and, and I don't know if they got a good deal on the fucking rent at the Dome. Who knows? Um, but they booked two nights so that they can get a double gate, Right. That's that, that I, That's what it feels like to me. It feels like they did two nights at the dome so they can get two gates. Um, because because here's the thing: what else are they going to fucking put at the dome? Usually, there's concerts right all that week. Um, all the all the pop bands. There's 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 something going on at that fucking dome. It feels like that entire week. Um, and I don't know if that's the case. I haven't looked, but you know, it's like okay. 20,000 a night. That's what it feels like. We need, we want 20,000 a night. And and they just didn't have enough to to do it. And 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 that Intercontinental title could have headlined. And I know some people like to shit on the Intercontinental fucking title, but that is the exact reason why they had it. For a situation that no one could have predicted, mind you. Damon, but mind you. A headline Wrestle Kingdom 8. It, it's already yeah. done it, but now they don't I, want to do it anymore. That's what I'm saying, but but that's what it's for. And you had it, and you ruined it. This is, you know, well, all right. Look. That's why I say get rid of the IC tile, because if you're not going to book it properly, then don't use it. If it's just Okay, gonna... well, you could say that about two-thirds of the fucking titles. Uh, I, you US know what? I, I would say in, in defense of New Japan... Whilst there's a lot of stuff they've done this year that I've disliked, I think they have done a better job in booking a lot of the other mid-card titles. I think they've done Shingo's done a tremendous job with the Never title. Dangerous Techers have done absolute wonders with the heavyweight tag titles. Junior tag titles, always in solid hands with Kanemaru Desperado. Never six-man titles, they feel more important than they did with the Yoshihashi Goto Ishii team. US title is awful, that's a complete mess. But I think we've got to give credit where it's due and say that with those other titles that I've mentioned, they've done a better job this year. None of those titles you're going to headline a dome with. Mm-hmm. None of them. True. Right? Right. So as much as it's improved, you're not headline a fucking dome show with any of those. The Intercontinental, at one point, you absolutely could. You absolutely could. And they decided to merge them. 
because we st- I, st- I, st- I still don't get it. I'll be truthful. I mean, look, actually, like, if, you know, if you had um, Okada versus Osprey being for the Intercontinental title, that could that could headline January fourth. Certainly could. Why? Well, yes, it could. I mean, here's the thing. They're, they're I mean, they're. It, what's the lineup for four? Is that the main event? No, they haven't announced match order yet, but it's going to be Naito Ibushi. That will be the main event. It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, okay. So why not Okada Osprey for the Intercontinental? You know, on night two. I mean, here's the thing. Here's what's headlining. You know, Naito Ibushi night one, night two winner against Jay White. Okay, great. I, take take the, 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 the double belt nonsense out of the equation. Heavyweight Intercontinental. They could do it. Uh, at, at one point in this company's uh, history, they absolutely could do that. And then they put the belt on Jericho, and you didn't see the fucking title for, what, six months? Eight months, it felt like. Okay. That's what happens. And and who's and here's the thing. Does anyone give a shit at this point about the Intercontinental title being a part of this fucking this fucking schmazola? Does anyone? It's about the heavyweight title. Just fucking don't even I don't even want to see the fucking Intercontinental title. It makes me angry now. It fucking infuriates me now. It's worthless. Who gives a shit? How are they going to get that fucking? Uh, uh, here, are the, here are the options right now, Joel. We're going to compl- we're going to treat it like the King of Pro Wrestling title and just fucking ignore it and have it just fucking vaporize into the air. Or two, we got to get the fucking title off of that uh, off of somebody. And how in the fuck is that going to happen? Because what madman is going to be like? I'll take the Intercontinental title. What? You beat the world champion. Nah. I like the white title better. Do you? Yeah. I don't know. I'm doing a whole fucking one-act play here. <laughs> All right. I'm done. The only way it would make sense is bring back Shinsuke Nakamura because his connection with that belt, I, I could buy him being like, yeah, that's I want the white belt, but yeah, we're just... um. Club Cuckoo Land now. Uh, okay, well, I will say this, Damon. We have, uh, on these two cards, we've got five guys getting their first Wrestle Kingdom singles match. El Phantasmo, Great Okan, Shingo, Cobb, and Evil. What does that tell you? I mean, does, does that suggest that there is an attempt to make new stars and, and elevate people in the company? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but that's been consistent. I mean, you mentioned Jay White before. Even Osprey to a, to a degree. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's about creating... The, they know what they have. They know the roster that they have. Um, and they know that five years, eight years, ten years is a lifetime in pro wrestling. And if you're not constantly creating new stars that connect with fans, then you're fucking lost. You're lost. Um that this is this is what we're seeing, and this is what we've seen for the past couple of years. And they've done a good job of keeping that mid card stocked for these moments. But listen, you know the people that were handpicked for for these kind of things, and a lot of them are young lions. Um, the young lions that you see, you know, 
a lot of them go on to bigger and better things. This is the, the progression of that. Paddy says, do you expect a Kenta match on night two? Seemed like with him interfering in the World Tag League final that we're setting up a juice match. Yeah, I, I mean, expect we'll see that juice match on either night one or night two, but I don't really care for it. Yeah, it does seem anticlimactic. Um, again, it's let's get fucking somebody at a press conference and be like, okay, Moxley, unfortunately, you're stripped of the title. Mail it back, please. And then we fight for a title. Enough of the fucking briefcase. Mark says, three weeks out from Wrestle Kingdom, how disappointed are you there's no match for Suzuki, Ishii, Goto, or Sho, and then end up in some meaningless multi-man tag at best. Uh, Cactus Max says, wither Ishii and Suzuki for Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, this is just one of those things, Damon. You can't give a singles match for everyone, and someone's going to miss out. And, you know, I don't mind... You know, I, I like Hiroki Goto. I'm a big fan of his... He got his singles match last year against Kent. I mean, he usually always gets a singles match. So this is his, t- his this is year to sit out. You know, tough luck. Same with uh, Ishii. Same with Sho. Suzuki. I think that would be a shame if he's got nothing because you don't know how many years he's got left, and he's had a brilliant year. And it's a shame they're not capitalising on that with uh, a singles match because I think he can. He's still more than capable of producing one. So if he ends up with nothing, that would be a shame. But how do you feel about those four guys missing out? Uh, sir, you're forgetting about our never six-man tag team championships, schmas, <laughs> or multiple tags. Uh, enter a gauntlet match and uh, have an easy night of, of of three minutes of in-ring action and back to the locker room. Um, that is where I see every name that you mentioned um, in a schmazzle. What are the chances of Empire going 3-0 and at Wrestle Kingdom? I think that is the most likely outcome. I could see all three of those guys, uh, Osprey, Okan, and Cobb, all winning their respective matches. Yeah, I mean, I think the only one that would be somewhat on shaky ground would be Osprey winning, um, if, if we care about that. But yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they, they went 3-0. and um, I think Cobb's winning never. And um, I think... It, uh, the handwriting's on the wall for Ocon to uh, get a win. Luis says, so the end of the year is here. We went from having no New Japan for a while to its triumphant return. Highs and lows with certain storylines. Cough, evil versus Naito. Going into Wrestle Kingdom, did you guys feel that excitement from previous years? And Parker says, if you both were actually able to go to Tokyo Dome, would these lineups excite you? Or would you be questioning the need to devote two nights of a trip to the shows? I think we covered that. I think we're both in agreement that we, we are not as excited this year. But let me transition that into the next question from Bash. He says, how do you feel about actually not going to the Dome this year with the cards starting to show what's on them? Or will you just miss the camaraderie and the experience more than the matches themselves? For me, it'll be a mix of both. And yeah, it's that's what I'm missing out. You know, being able to hang out with our friends that we don't get to see outside of Wrestle Kingdom um, and you know hanging out in TGI Fridays and getting to have a bowl of noodles together and have a few Zimas that's what I'm going to miss you know shenanigans at the hub so that is what I'm sad about missing out not actually not being able to attend Wrestle Kingdom yeah it's it's outside of Wrestle Kingdom that is, is so much fun and it's a highlight of my year um and seeing everyone and having laughs and busting balls and giving hugs and hanging out with your mates. And that's what I'm going to miss. Um, I'm not going to miss the anxiety of flying. That's for sure. I thought about that. Um, but it's that week 
is so much fun and I get to see everyone and everyone has a smile on their face and everyone's tired and everyone's exhausted. But know that while Wrestle Kingdom is an awesome thing and, and you get into the dome and you see the ring and you're like, oh, we're here, this is it. That's not the number one thing. It's it's hanging out with everybody and having fun and what happens after the show and the people that you meet and the new people that you meet. Um, that's what makes Wrestle Kingdom week the greatest week of the year. And I, I will dearly miss it. And I, and I will miss seeing so many faces and friends um, that I look forward to every year. We'll be back. I promise you. We all will be back. I promise you. But uh, for right now, we're going to make do. We're going to watch at home. I got the bar. It's being built. We're about more than halfway through. Uh, I already passed out in it. <laughs> uh, christened it, if you will. Um, and that's where I will be. And others will be doing similar things. Uh, but collectively know that our hearts are all together. And we'll raise our glass, and we'll raise our cans, and we'll raise our beer, and we'll put them to the sky and know that we're all thinking of each other. So we'll be back. We'll be back. There's a, a toast in a lot of Jewish celebrations where you, you end up saying, to next year in Jerusalem. But yeah, let's change that to, to next year in Tokyo, <laughs> in TGI Fridays. Absolutely. Yep, I've never wanted to be in TGI Fridays more, <laughs> and that's saying something. So um, hang in there, everyone. I know it's been a rough year for a lot of people, and I know it's been tough. Um, hang in there. We'll be back. We'll be back. I do have a few more questions. I'll save them for next week because I think next week it might be a, a slower news week. So they'll wrap it up here and say you can go to redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to give some money to us for the amazing work that we do for you putting on this show discord link is in the show notes always a good time good discussions to be had on there if you were you, you might have been privy to me and liam's in-depth discussion about el desperado and hiromu takahashi so that's the kind of gold that you can enjoy by being on our discord you can go to at cobra kawaii and pro forward slash super jcast if you want to get one of our great t-shirts Massive thanks, as always, to Editor Dan, who you can find on Twitter at LousyHero219. You can also subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Please give us a five-snake review and some kind words on iTunes, which helps us move up the charts. Follow us on Twitter at the Super Jcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and goodbye.